Aloha and welcome to episode number five of the Public Art Podcast, where we talk story with the artists, community members, project facilitators, small business owners, supporters, and story holders working together to envision Wailuku as a public arts district. Today's guest is David Johnston, Artistic Director of the Maui Academy of Performing Arts, or MAPA, uh, which is a nonprofit theater company that produces community theater and offers classes to children and young adults. MAPA was founded in 1974 as the Maui Youth Theater and pre-pandemic uh, performed for over 25,000 elementary and preschool students in roughly 200 schools across the state of Hawaii every year. David has worked with MAPA for 30 years and in that time has purchased three buildings in Wailuku to help lead the charge in seeing the neighborhood become an arts district. Today you'll hear him talk about his legacy, which is not in the buildings, but in leaving a place where people of all ages can come and discover themselves and continue to uncover who they are and what they're about and where they can create gifts to give to the world. He sees the arts as an incubator for our humanity and wants to leave a place where that can continue to happen. Please enjoy. <laughs> because you're going to get to the good stuff before I hit the record button. <laughs> okay, uh, good afternoon. This is Kelly McHugh-White here with the Public Art Podcast. I'm so lucky to be sitting here today with David Johnston. If you'd like to introduce yourself and maybe describe the place where we are for those that are listening. Sure, I'm, I'm David Johnston. I'm the Artistic Director of Maui Academy of Performing Arts. And we're sitting in our Studio AB, which is used primarily for, for dance classes and for rehearsals for, for our theater productions. Um, we're here, normally it's filled with, you know, 20 or 30 people, but we're here, just the two of us today, doing yeah. a, a solo dance, <laughs> and it's in, I guess, in a way. So, in thanks, thanks for having me. Oh, my God, thank you for doing this with me. I know we've tried to schedule this a few times, but we are living on planet COVID, and life is changing so dramatically every day, so <laughs> appreciate the opportunity. And before we, we begin, um, can you tell me what this building was before it belonged yes, to you? Yes, it was the National Dollar Store. Yep. And it's, uh, for people who live in Wailuku and a lot of people on Maui, this was the place to come to do all your department store shopping. Um, I love to tell this story. When we first bought the, the building and we were working on renovating some of it and you know, pulling out some of the things that needed to get uh, to be gone from here. We were working on the floor downstairs and peeling up the old uh, parquet tiles and things and the doors were open because it was hot down there and we'd get people who'd walk down the street and poke in and go, what's going on? And one day this sweet little lady pokes in and she goes, what's happening here? And I went over and I talked to her and she said, I explained to her what we, who we were and what we were going to trying to do with the building, create a, an art center and classrooms and hopefully potentially a, a theater space. And she goes, oh, that's really good. She said, I have so many memories of this building. She said, I used to all my shopping. I did all my shopping here. And she said, right over there, right there, right where that man's standing. She said, that's where I bought my bras. <laughs> <laughs> and it was like, it just made me laugh and smile. But I thought, 
this is kind of what the arts are about in a way. You know, we're doing this project, but it's finding those, those connections to the past history of the building and the area and how we are connecting to that now with, you know, sort of a new vision, but we hope a vision that incorporates all of the old also and respects and honors, honors uh, those memories. Yeah. And that's yeah. exactly why I was excited. To t well, one of the many reasons I was excited to talk to you today, because I do feel in the, the times that I've, I've spoken with you and Carolyn and Maui Academy of Performing Arts, you hold sense of place in really high regard. Um, and I, I know that that can sometimes be dissonant with the performing arts in a world where you're creating fantasy <laughs> and sometimes recreating maybe pieces like Les Mis, right? Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I guess I, I, this was a question I was going to ask a little bit later, but it seems appropriate to ask now about a time that maybe you've included sense of place, sense of being here in Wailuku um, in, a, in a work that you've produced. That's for. a great, I'm glad you asked that question because we're doing it right now, you know? Um, we're working on a project that I've revived from about almost 10 years ago. Um, uh, I was talking with some actors. I worked Derek Nakagawa and Francis Tawa uh, at that time, and uh, I said we got to we got to find a new project to do, and I want something original. and And I said, do you guys know this this show uh, called Lesser uh, uh, Greater Tuna? And it's a, it's a two person show, and it's, it was done years ago when I was in college back in the 70s, and everybody was doing it, colleges and everything, because it was two people, it was really easy, it was set in a, a radio um, studio, and it was just these two guys who were sort of interviewing all the characters of the town, and they, they played all the parts, male and female, of all of these very unique and, you know, uh, crazy characters of the, of the town. And I said, I'd like to do something like that. So we captured the essence of Wailuku, and, and I just, I think the idea of two, two actors, you know, doing that is really neat. And I said, are you guys up for trying to write this? And that was the beginning of the project. So they wrote this beautiful piece called Lesser Ahi, mm -hmm. Greater Tuna, Lesser Ahi. <laughs> um, and uh, we produced that uh, about 10 years ago at, the, at our little space, the Stepping Stone Theater over in Kahumana Center. And uh, it was very successful. And it was very funny. And it was very poignant. And it just captured a sweet spirit of the people who make up our community. And it was all centered on one family and their relationships and ties to the community. We were supposed to do it in three parts. We did two parts and then we world got in the way and, mm -hmm. and we sort of was on the shelf for all these years. And I thought, you know what? I want to do something to get out of this COVID thing and come back. And I thought, let's, let's bring it back and let's see if we can put it all in one piece or maybe two pieces or something. So we came up with the idea of finishing that last piece, combining them all together in, in a fashion, and called it the, the um, uh, Carport Theater Festival, the Ahi Carport Theater Festival, Festival. And we've been working on that uh, since midway through the beginning of the pandemic. Yes. And we were just in production for it and ready to open it actually at the EAU Theater. Um, just well, this would have been our, this would have been our last weekend this weekend, yeah. but we had to 
to cancel it because uh, there were COVID issues with with some of the personnel involved. Ugh, yeah. But we didn't. We aren't done with it. So we've already reconstituted a, a rehearsal schedule, and we're you know, we're bringing it back. And hopefully, the end of January. That's our tentative Great. new opening dates. But to tie it back to your question, it is it is the story of Wailuku. Mm -hmm. And we also added in the process of all of the, of the development of the piece, uh, Kathy Collins came on board as, as an additional writer and we were able to expand the number of people that we had uh, get to meet during, during this crazy romp through yeah. Ahi land. So that's really exciting. Yeah. And, yeah. and just for those that I don't know what planet they're living on, but if they don't know, who is Kathy Collins? Who is Kathy Collins? <laughs> she is Miss Personality. <laughs> She's, you, you, you know Kathy Collins, you may not know it, but if you listen to any radio, you've heard her voice on there. She's got one of the most distinct voices uh, on radio, I think. And if you've gone to First Friday or Kihei's, what is Second Friday over there? And uh, she emcees all of those things. You've seen her at the mall, I bet, mm -hmm. emceeing something. She works on, on the, the, well, she worked on the, the cruise, cruise ships that came in. And uh, yeah, she's, she's master a, of all trades. Master of all trades. And one of the original people with uh, Manoa Radio, right? Yes. So, yeah. Yes. Incredible. Yeah. She's a wonderful person. And community she's treasure. A community treasure and just community builder and giver to the community. You know, yeah. Just, yeah. Um, I really want to hear from you about your Wailuku journey as an artist. Um, and I'm curious about the before and after in terms of the people, places, and stories of Wailuku, because I know you've, you've been part of the Mapa family for 30 years, but that wasn't always in Wailuku. So yeah, I just kind of wanna hear about, yeah, what's your Wailuku story? The Wailuku story, um, this is our landing spot, and it took a long time to, to be here in Wailuku. Uh, when the organization started in 74, it was part of the Parks and Recs uh, department. Mm -hmm. It kind of grew out of that. And it was all over the place. Uh, and then in schools, in, you know, um, in community centers, wherever there was a facility uh, that was available, it, uh, we, there were classes that were done there and shows that were done. And a, a lot of of young people involvement initially. It was pretty much a, a youth theater for youth. It was run by youth for youth kind, yep. of, kind of thing. And uh, it grew from that. I came on board in nine, about 92 when the founding, Linda Tequita, the founder of the organization, decided that she wanted to move on. And I'd been working with uh, MAPA for about a year and a half or so. And uh, I was on the mainland. She called me up and she said, I decided that I, I want to retire, I want to move on, and she said, do you want to be the artistic director? And I was like, I thought about 30 seconds and said yes. <laughs> and so that's how I sort of came, <laughs> thank you, I, how I came into the job. And we've kind of been a homeless vagabond organization for all of the years. I mean, when I came on, with, they were, uh, the company was doing shows over at Kaanapali Beach Hotel. Mm -hmm. they would, uh, there used to be an outdoor 
shop, uh, shopping plaza in over in Wailea, the, the old Wailea shopping yep. area. That was pretty new when I was here, and I uh, did only visit it a couple of times, but I saw one of the shows there. They were doing Romeo and Juliet outside there. So it was wherever we found a place yes. we could do it. We had offices in the Quonset huts of the Maui News mm -hmm. for years. Then we moved to KCC, the mm -hmm. community center over there, did a long stint there while the Maui Arts and Cultural Center was being built because we were supposed to move there for our permanent home. McCoy. The McCoy Theater, that yes. complex, the Schaefer Educational Buildings, the dance studios over there, those were all built for us, our design, they were built that way. Yeah. And unfortunately things didn't work out. I mean the financial burden of being there was just too great for us. Got and it. so when that kind of disintegrated, uh, we ended up in Wailuku. And we ended up here because uh, this wonderful man, Chris Hart, uh, who was also a Maui treasure, um, he was a big proponent of Wailuku and we found some office space over here um, and uh, we left the center pretty much uh, at that point our program means we weren't sure if we were going to survive at that point and it was just uh, myself and the managing director Francie von Tempsky we came to Wailuku and we just thought okay we're going to retrench figure out what steps we want to take and uh, slowly build back the program and the opportunity came up. Chris Hart called me one day and he said, there's a building I want you to look at. He said, you know, I think we could do something with it, get our classes started again for the kids and all of that. And I said, okay. He says, meet me for lunch over here at the National Dollar Store. So I came over and he opened the door and I walked in and I just saw this wide open, clear span space and I was like, oh my God gosh, this is amazing. And he said, do you think we could work? Uh, it'll work. He said, we'll put some offices down here, rent to some other, you know, nonprofit organizations and, um, you know, and then we can have our studios and in, in over here. And I said, uh -uh, Chris, I said, we're not going to rent to anybody. We're going to build a theater here. And he goes, what? He goes, this is a perfect building for a theater. He goes, really? I said, yeah. So that was the journey. What uh, year was that? That was in about uh, 1997. Wow, okay. Yeah, 1997. Yeah, and yeah. so what was Wailuku like in 1997? We're, I know that Wailuku has a very rich history of arts and culture, and I know one of those reasons was because this is where a lot of the the sugar families were living, mm -hmm. right, leading mm -hmm. up. And so I, I, I'm curious, did MAPA come in as like a signature arts organization at that time, or what was the state? You know what, there wasn't any movement or any thought about that. It was just about, can we find a home for ourselves, mm -hmm. you know, and here's a building that could work for that. And then we were lucky enough to be able, with the help of the county, mm -hmm. uh, during Linda Lingle's administration, she yeah. helped us initially purchased this this building you know mm -hmm. it was an interesting story she found out there was an article in the Maui News and she saw what we were doing and she called us up and said um, I'm on the last legs of my tenure as mayor I can't run again and she said why Luku rebuilding that was a dream of mine that I haven't been able to realize she mm -hmm. said I see what you're doing here she says this is this is a dream I believe in and she said I want to help you get the building so she, um, 
she got us, um, you know, a chunk of money to buy it, and then mm -hmm. she also, more importantly, uh, gave gave us some time and talent from uh, from the her offices to help us write a USDA grant yes. to purchase this, and that's what really triggered uh, our our ability to buy it. Yes, and it started our relationship with USDA, which has helped us expand. Yep, and that was my next question for you. That's <laughs> perfect. You're going right in the order that my oh, brain planned this. This is good. <laughs> so, yeah, I know that uh, you, this led to an exciting housing preservation grant through the USDA. And so, yeah, how, d how did that happen? And what is that going to look like for, I guess, for MAPA and for Wailuku? Well, when we got that grant, it allowed us to... to Reestablish our classes here, and we, we've spent you know a lot of years, ten years or more, twelve years. I don't know what it is now. Um, rebuilding the, those programs, you know, concentrating a lot on the educational aspect. Yeah. We purposely built the studios, the classrooms first in the in the building, and left the biggest portion in our as a warehouse. But that was our home dream for uh, to be the theater portion of it. But um, that's a slower. It was a slower process to find money and support for that. So, um, but as we develop, as we grew, our, our our dance classes, our our academy program in drama, it grew from a, uh, about a hundred people, ninety some people, to uh, right before the pandemic hit, we were serving uh, about about eleven hundred kids a week in wow. classes. You know, that's some of those kids taking multiple classes. Sure. So. It wasn't 1,100 individuals, but we had that number yep. in, our, in our classes, yep. which was a pretty incredible, incredible number. You know, yeah, yeah. Um, and we became real comfortable in Wailuku, and, and as as we grew here, there also began to be a movement to revitalize and rebuild Wailuku, mm -hmm. and that was incredibly exciting for me personally because. I've always wanted, uh, one of the dreams I always had was first to be the artistic director of an organization like this. I never thought it would happen in Hawaii. Mm -hmm. um, and, the, and the other thing was that I believe the artists belong in our community. They, they, they are of the community. They come from the community. They come from the people. They, they're, especially for me in theater, um, we are the holders of the stories of our communities and our society, and we have a responsibility to, to pass those stories on, to create the new stories, to help guide community um, in terms of their growth yeah. and, and their struggles, to, yes. to look at those, just very much like in ancient Greece, you know? <laughs> and, yes. and it just felt right to be here. This place has such, Wailuku is so filled with so much, you know? spiritually, the historical, the, the ancient connection that we have. It was the gathering place for, for the islands. It was the, the commercial, you know, uh, center of everything. And it's like, yeah. that spirit I still feel here. I think that that's here. And I think that let's honor that. Let's tap into that. Let's bring those energies back, back to life here yeah. in whatever way we can. And I think the arts are a perfect way to do that, to facilitate that happening. Yes. And that opportunity for us as a small arts organization to be a player in that part of the revitalization to me is it's just a dream and an opportunity that 
is so rare, you very seldom get it, but it's so exciting, the thought of being part of that and a player in that. So, yeah. Um, and I do have to give Chris Hart credit, because he opened my eyes to Wailuku. He loved Wailuku so much. Yeah. And he was adamant that this was the place for us. And the longer I've been here, the more, the more I feel that. And I know we're in the right place. Yeah. And I'm so excited about what's happening, you know? Yeah. You know, I'm, we're such small peanuts, <coughs> small town big art compared to Maui Academy of Performance. We're just an initiative, right? And it's a, it's a public-private partnership, right, with Haleho Ike Ike at the Bailey House mm -hmm. and County of Maui that was launched through the National Endowment of the Arts specifically geared for neighborhood revitalization. Mm -hmm. um, and so what we're doing is trying to ensure that people are engaging with the arts in open spaces, right, mm -hmm. in their everyday lives. And that that art isn't just arts for art's sake, because there are plenty of opportunities and grants for that type of programming, but that it's art that's deeply rooted in a sense of place, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And one way that we're able to do that is by working with the Maui Historical Society to ensure that each project is matched with an olelo no'eau or a Hawaiian proverb that really deeply connects it to that mm -hmm. space. And also we, we work with artists and you know assure them that they're a vessel, right? That they are not necessarily going to be a rock star, but they're a, a vessel for the stories of the community. So they come forward with proposals and ideas of how they might create a work of art, um, whether it's a mural or a dance crawl, you know, mm -hmm. or, a, or a play or a light work. And then they have to go through this project development period where we match them up with community consultants that share their stories with them about what they think makes Wailuku Wailuku. And then those ideas or visions or words or movements need to find their way into that final blueprint before we all say it's a go, it's a green light. And so I'm wondering um, for a performing arts organization that primarily works in theater spaces, how can we work together to help revitalize Wailuku through the arts? How can we work on the streets and have you working in the theaters? Where is that bridge? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I had to tell you, one of, uh, when I was in grad school, I, I spent a lot of time, and it was, it was some, an area that I was very fascinated with, and it's an area that, that sort of became my focus, but it was about what is the relationship between a space and the audience? How does that impact the art that's created and the experience that that art creates for an audience? Yeah. So I did a lot of experimenting with that, you know. I would take the chairs out of classrooms and do a show in there. I, you know, we had a beautiful proscenium theater. Um, I did a huge project there, and I, it, the audience came. The audience came in to, you know, like you normally would come into a theater, but they weren't allowed to sit down in the seats because I had staged the, the production through the whole theater. Mm -hmm. And so I had to move them. They had to move with the actors to wherever the actors were playing things. And that went from up in the rafters, up above the lighting grid, all of that, the stairs that came down that, the scaffolding that was on the stage, the actors were scrambling and scampering all over that. All the while, the, the audience is following mm -hmm. all of that action around. Mm -hmm. yeah. And it was amazing what happened, and the power of that, and the connection 
that was created between the performers and the actors. Yeah. There's nothing you get sitting passively in a seat. And so I guess mine is, always, I've always had that thing, how do you activate that relationship between audience and performers, you know? Yes. And I've been working a lot at the MAC the last few years doing big shows over there. And that's still the question I ask, and it's hard to do in a space that's so defined like the yes. MAC. You can get, make some progress with it, but I was always looking at ways, how can we bring this relationship together in a different way, you know? Yeah. If I had my way, I would have built up big stages out over the seats into the audience, but they weren't too keen on that <laughs> idea, so. Yeah. Um, but I love that you're doing, you're, you're talking about this here, and how, how is it happening, happening here? And I think there's so many opportunities. You talked a little uh, uh, to me about the, the, the work being done in the parks and those kinds of things. I think that's super important. Yeah. There's something magical about being outside and, and having that interaction in, in the arts. We did several shows over, over at, um, ah, I just lost the name, over at the, uh, what is it? The, 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 the restaurant, Maui Tropical, Tropical Plantation. Uh, yes. Yeah, thank you. A little brain freeze there. Um, this was this was before they remodeled and uh -huh. stuff. And we did it in their Field of Dreams, mm. and just being being out there. We did South Pacific was a, one of our first ones. Mm -hmm. Out in the middle of this field with the stage and the lighting and the music and all of that, but the magic of it was. As, as the evening started, you had the West Maui Mountains looking at that. You were watching the sun come down, the colors on Haleakala, and the timing was great because then in the middle of the show, the moon is coming up, mm. you know? And it's like, you are so much immersed in a sense of space and place with that. And to have South Pacific, which is, you know, sort of about, you know, our, our environment and where we live, but uh, to have that kind of theme running through it, mm -hmm. it was pure, pure yeah. magic. And it, it, the local audiences loved it, and the tourists were just, you know, I saw this, uh, you know, the story about it on the, on, in the little magazine on the airplane, and I thought, as soon as this airplane lands, we're getting tickets to this because we're in this, you know, seeing South Pacific outside in the South Pacific, they yeah. said. And it's like, <laughs> that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. there is that kind of excitement that's yeah. automatically created. And I just do think that for me in my world, in the theater world, this is where the art started, you know. The storytelling was done by the shaman around a fire outside. It brought the community together to celebrate their hunts, their struggles in their lives, their, you know, their gods, you know. Mm -hmm. And it's, that's our origin. We belong. Yeah. We belong there. Yeah, and I know that Dean Wong just acquired the Imua Discovery Center. Yeah behind Halehoike Ike, the Yokouchi estate, and is talking a lot about just come. You know, I know he offered Maui on stage the use of their grounds for their summer youth theater mm -hmm. program, mm -hmm. and feels very strongly about bring it to the streets, bring it outside, it's COVID, we can't be gathering, so let's mm -hmm. figure out ulterior ways 
of getting people, uh, alternate ways of getting people engaged. Because I'm not saying people shouldn't be in a theater. The lighting, the sound, the ambiance, the feeling, the intimacy that you're going to get in a theater, you're just not going to get otherwise. You can't, no. But um, we do want to create more opportunity for people to experience these moments yes. and feel invited, yeah. right? And feel included um, and see themselves in these spaces. I think that's the key to it is it's, Look, uh, we have to find ways to, to go to our audiences, not to expect them just to come to us. We have to find that, whatever it is, tra traverse, tra traverse that, that ground that separates us from having the connection with mm -hmm. the arts and, and the artist having connection with the people mm -hmm. that we're trying to reach. So whatever we can do to do that, to bring the arts to the people, I think we have to look at and we have to find ways to develop it. Yeah. And so in your time in Wailuku as Maui Academy of Performing Arts or as David Johnston, when you go to get a cup of coffee or when you walk into people on the streets or you go into the shops, have you seen, how have you seen Wailuku change over time? It's, it's one of the things I loved about Wailuku. When we had our offices over on Church Street, mm -hmm. um, we were right there on the, you know, right on the ground level, you know, so people were walking right by the office windows all day and, uh, you know, we, people would stop, they'd peek in, we'd wave to them, you know, people we knew would be knock on the windows and so wave. And so there was always that sense of being a part of a community and I loved it because I would walk down to the bank on the corner mm -hmm. and I'd always see somebody it was like that old, the old days when I was growing up, you know, went with my dad to the bank and everybody knew your name and everybody recognized you and you had, you know, talk story a little bit. And they finished there and you go back walking down the street, okay, let's go to the bakery across the street. And, you know, everybody knows, it's like cheers, everybody knows your name, yeah. you know? Yeah. And it was just that sense, that wonderful sense mm -hmm. of family and support and being surrounded by, yeah. by all these people you care about and mm -hmm. love and who have fascinating stories, you know? Yeah. So I, I loved, I loved that, that piece of it. Um, I was sorry to, you know, I, I think we've lost a little bit of that because you're not on the ground level anymore. We're not on the ground level yeah. now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, but uh, look at this space, David. <laughs> <laughs> it's a trade-off, right? It is a trade-off. But it was also, I mean, there has been such a groundswell to yeah. to create this this arts um, district here and to create to put the arts to put the arts at the center of yeah. our lives. I, man, to be able to say that. I'm in a community that's thinking that way, you know, that is recognizing the arts are central. They aren't a periphery and yeah. a peripheral kind of thing for us to, you know, in our lives. They belong every day. I want people to see the arts at work every day, you know. When we talked about, we have this beautiful rendering in our office of, of this idea for a performing arts space on all of the property that we, we have acquired now here in Wailuku. And it's something, we'll, it was like sort of this dream concept. It's nothing we'll ever realize at all. But one of the things when we were working on that and talking about it, um, it helped us shape sort of what we want to do and who we want it to be. And I always kept coming back to there has to be meeting space Mm -hmm. There has to be open space outside 
I want people to be able to bring a sack lunch here and sit, mm -hmm. you know? And I want the artists who are working in our spaces to go out and have conversations with them. I want that exchange to happen because mm -hmm. that's, that's where we find our ideas and our sources. That's where we get our stories from those people, you know? Mm -hmm. And I just that interaction back and forth and that setting up a place where just the connections can begin to happen mm -hmm. is, is super. You know, I said, I, we want, want, I want lots of glass. I want to, people to be able to see inside mm -hmm. to look at what we're doing. Mm -hmm. And always we need to be thinking about how are we inviting the people to participate, you know? So that's what I hope that we can, we can bring yeah. to, to, to this. So open spaces yeah. where people can congregate and transparent walls so people can witness. Witness, that's a great word, witness <laughs> it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's beautiful. And I, I guess that brings me to backwards a little bit because I know that you were at Stepping Stone at Queen Ka'ahumanu and you mentioned that you were, did work at Maui Tropical Plantation, even though that was a space that people, I guess, knew they were coming to because they had tickets. Right, right. But I guess I'm thinking more about um, spaces that you've occupied and, and the, the impact of you being there and creating that in those places, what has that impact been on the community around it? So have you seen any kind of connection? Because now I've heard you say you're in your home, you're in Wailuku, and this is where you're really, MOP has, has been planting its roots, right? Mm -hmm. Growing its roots and will continue to do so. But I'm curious about how the arts impact a community, how the arts can revitalize a neighborhood. And I would love to hear any evidence that you have, right? Or any anecdotes that you have based on past places where you've created and seeing that impact in those places. Uh, I'll start with just being, being here. And just the fact that we have so many um, young people coming into our studios every day. Mm -hmm. and. Uh, they're coming after school mm -hmm. and and they're hungry <laughs> yeah. and the the gas station it used to be the Chevron station on the corner we used to call it Shea Chevron we're having lunch at Shea Chevron nobody <laughs> doesn't call it Chevron <laughs> yeah it always will be huh um, but the kids going up there to get drinks and snacks and going across the street to get pizza at, at Dave's Giannato's place and um, you know just uh, down the street to, to the um, uh, the seven not the 7-eleven but subway mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. there's there's a lot there were a lot of tra transactions there so yes. it was good for the economy it was yes. good for the the people you know had businesses around us and they t they recognized that they acknowledged uh, that so just economically there's mm -hmm. that piece that that's great um, I I think that being here you know, and being in sort of a path from, you got the EL school and you've got Happy Valley over here and the traffic of kids mm -hmm. after school going back and forth. And they touched, they touched our, our buildings, you know, literally and figuratively, mm -hmm. and they saw our programs there. And, and we were able to, to make opportunities for, for kids who, who maybe would never have thought about coming and taking part in the arts or who thought they couldn't afford it. We made it possible for that to happen. Mm -hmm. So we began to reach, you know, underserved communities, I think, being here, uh, w which was a, a wonderful piece. We also had huge programs in the schools yes, um, that, that did a lot of that same thing. We brought theater to the schools 
to the kids who had never experienced live theater before and watching that transformation when they when they had that and they got and they get it yeah. they were enchanted with it their imaginations just took off with it i loved it cuz we'd ask for for them to send us you know comments and you know about the show and all of that and teachers were great about taking time in their classrooms to have them write uh, have them write notes to us and they always drew with with the notes and my favorite thing was that in their imaginations they had characters in their thank you notes to us that didn't didn't exist in reality in the play but existed for them in the experience of of the play that's beautiful and I thought, that is what so you're spurring creativity. Absolutely. Right? Not yeah. just memory, yeah. but new ideas. New ideas, yeah. yeah. And that's when we've got engagement Yeah. When we do that. Yeah. I mean, so we have economic growth. We have reaching underserved communities. We have spurring creativity. Um, I think a lot, again, because I'm so focused on the place-based work about this intersection between past, present, and future. So I think about generations of students that have been coming to MAPA, right? And having that commonality that you're, you're equipping them with, you're yeah. give, enabling them with that opportunity yeah. to maybe star in something that another member of their family was a part of, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Or to be part of a class that just wouldn't exist if you weren't here, exactly. you know? And to be learning an art form that's really now becoming part of the culture, yeah. right? Yes, yeah. yeah. And it's, al it's also just the, the growth that they have individually, you know? We get kids in our program who, you know, who, who have no, their social skills are, are, are really diminished or, mm -hmm. you know, they're shy, they're, they're very reserved and pulled back. And to watch them, to watch those walls sort of start to crumble and to watch them discovering, oh my God, I've got a voice, I've got mm -hmm. something to say, and I've got somebody who's going to listen to what I say, you know? Mm -hmm. And I, we were talking in staff a while meetings a while back and I said I think one of the most important things we have to remember in our programming is that we have an obligation to let these kids and everybody actually in our programs this is this is our opportunity to to say to them I see you you yeah. know and you're valuable and I want to know who you are and what you're thinking and what your vision is you know mm -hmm. and it's when you when you give that to people I, I mean, there's such a, ah, it's just such a wonderful feeling, and to watch, to watch them just sort of expand, you know, and say, I belong here, I can, t I deserve to take up this space, <laughs> you know. Um, can you share a specific anecdote of maybe a transformative experience that you've witnessed? I'll tell you one that I have from way, way back. Uh, we did a, we did a tour show to the elementary schools. Um, and the, the gist of the show was, um, was were these two circus bears, right? Um, and it's called the Arkansas Bear. And um, the storyline was that the older bear, who was sort of a grandfather figure, it turns out he knew that he was getting old and he was reaching the end of his life. This sounds like a really sad story to speak to an elementary school, but it was really sweet. And so the younger bear is struggling, you know, can't find out who he is and all of that. And through the course of the show, um, he discovers, you know, that 
his grandfather dies, the bear dies, you know, and he discovers the gifts sort of that his grandfather has given him and that that he's now going to carry on the tradition of this of the circus bear and that his grandfather made that path for him and helped him find his way on it. Um, so it was about death and dying and what that means and that you don't lose you don't lose that person that energy the knowledge the that connection is somehow still alive. And there was after the show we got a letter from a, a, a I don't remember third fifth grade teacher I think maybe it was, and she said I just have to write you this and uh, she said I forgot the little boy's name but she said this this play, him seeing this play was an incredible moment for him in his life. She said he came back to school this year, his, fa his grandfather died in the spring, he came back, he's been absolutely silent, he's been very sad, he's been very pulled away, he has hardly spoken in class. And she said after he's, he saw the show, he came up to her and, and kind of, you know, very emotional and said, I understand now. He said, I'm the little bear. Oh my God. And she said it's changed his whole attitude in life and right now and it's, it, it's opened him up again. Mm. And I went, I, I looked at that letter and I said, we don't have to, excuse me, we don't have to, we don't have to do this anymore with this show. We, we did what we were supposed to do. Yeah. We gave something to one person that changed their lives. Mm. That's what we're about. Yeah. You know? Chicken skin. That's yeah. beautiful yeah. and yeah. so powerful and um, just gives you a really solid sense that you're onto something. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. And that this can be really healing for our community as well, mm. right? Maybe that's another important impact to note in terms of bringing the arts into a community. I think it's super important yeah. I, and, and especially right now mm -hmm. you know I, that's, that's why we're fighting so hard to find ways to bring our programs back to, mm -hmm. to get to be able to connect again with everybody um, but we the heart the arts are healing in fact we just we've been writing a lot of grants this yes. year and and there have been a couple grants that specifically has said how are you helping the community heal and recover from the pandemic? And it's like, I can tell you how. We Where do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's, to see that is being recognized, yeah. I think is super important. And that's one of the exciting things I think that's happening in the arts world right now is the arts are, are being recognized in a way, the value, and it, you know, it's not just the economic values and those kinds of things, it's the, what I call the soul and heart value that people are realizing this is we have to have this we have to have this in our lives yeah and I think the pandemic has made us think about that a mm -hmm. lot too so well this is how we have to make our case right David as arts administrators we have to look at it from from the, across the full spectrum right, right. so we have to make it um, a win-win mm -hmm. right for those that are our decision makers right and then we're in this field because it's in our bones, right? Exactly. We feel it, it's changed our lives, it's tr transformed who we are. For me, um, personally, it just, it's something that makes me feel less alone. 
Um, as a child growing up, I just always felt like I was so different and no one was like me. And I was a dancer and I was a painter and I was a writer and I was a singer and nothing. It was just, it wasn't until I started finding my people, right? Yes. That were yes. also fellow creators yeah. Yeah. that made me realize, oh, and then I just got latched onto that concept. Like I didn't need to be creating. Uh, my passion is finding these groups of people and putting them together. <laughs> That's kind of my superpower. And so um, again, back to, we do have to make the case that it's an economic stimulant or mm -hmm. you know that it, it improves health. I worked with a think tank in New York for many years and we wrote a, a text on creative aging, right? At the time, a, a long-term study had been done to basically showed that elderly were taking less medications when um, participating in sequential-based arts education, which was taking pressure off Medicare programs. So it looked really good to reinvest back into the NEA, right? So we constantly wow, have to make all a, of these. That's an incredible study. That's great. Yeah, wow. right? So this, these, are the, these are the grants we have to write yeah. and the, the points we have to make and the data and science that we have to <laughs> show for it all. Right. But I think in my conversations with you, I don't want to bring you there. I just want to, what I like most about you is what you just did, it was sharing that anecdote with me about the, the little bear, right? And this person, you made such an impact on this one child's life and that's enough, you know? Mm -hmm. Like you, that can be leveraged across an entire program or an entire strategic plan. This is the power exactly. of the arts and what it can do for our community. Right. That's a metaphor, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, I guess I wanna hear more about as a community, what other organizations need to be involved or you know it, as we look to our fellow artists and even small businesses across Wailuku I mean I had a conversation with Jacqueline Sabato Itel recently where she said I think Wailuku is the perfect small business incubator for young artists that just want to get off the ground want to test their products want to see if they can scale their business and then they can move on you know mm -hmm. and it was such an interesting idea of Wailuku as, an, as a business incubator, incubator. right? Because I'm so hyper-focused on Wailuku as, a, as an arts focal point. But yeah, how can we continue to work together as a community to create um, opportunity as these CIP projects continue? Because one of my big fears all along is that Wailuku turns into a, you know, a strip mall. I don't want to see big boxes come in. Right. Um, right. You know, we want to maintain the, the identity and the values and amplify um, the identity and the values of Wailuku. It doesn't mean that they can't change, they can evolve. Exactly. But we want to be able to keep the personality, right, mm -hmm. um, intact. Mm -hmm. How can the arts do that? Well, oh man, <laughs> that's a big question. Um, I, I think the arts sort of, uh, they bring the value. I, I guess I, by that I mean I, I sort of see the, uh, the arts are reflecting uh, the values and the, uh, what people believe is important in their lives and in the community and that, uh, that us being sort of that mirror that can reflect back those things is super important. Yeah. So that if, if we're doing our work every day right here in the heart of Wailuku, um, People are going to see that, you know. We're going to connect that way, and I and I think then we get to hear their stories, and we get to learn about what is, what are the things that are important to you? Mm -hmm. What are, what, what do we need to be doing to take care of this special place? You mm -hmm. know, and and to 
I grow it and in a, in a I don't I don't think growth is a bad word I like the word growth you know to grow it in a way that supports that vision of, of maintaining you know that connects sort of that connection to the past so that we don't become just a box store anywhere else we but we are specific I think to this place and I think I, th I don't know I sort of feel like artists are specific to places that, that we work here for a reason because we connect with the with the stories or with you know the landscape as a visual artist or whatever mm -hmm. of that specific place mm -hmm. you know yeah visual artists the lights incredible you know you're drawn to those places you yes. know and I sort of sort of feel like me uh, as a theater person you know the words the ideas the people here those are those are my light that's my light just like a visual artist is that's the pic those are the pictures I paint mm -hmm. and, I'm, and I have to be here to, to receive those stories mm -hmm. and, and to have that connection with mm -hmm. them so um, I don't know if that answers your question. No, or not. it actually spurs another one, and it's more me coming to you for advice now. <laughs> so, <laughs> one of our, I've seen a little bit of pushback in um, small town big arts working with some visiting artists, um, and I believe, and and as does Sissy and, and the rest of the team, that it's really important to have that cultural exchange, and to have that cross pollination. And sure, when a, a visiting artist initially submits a proposal, it might be rooted in stereotype. I mean, we're talking about sense of place in Wailuku, mm -hmm. and perhaps they're talking about Save the Whales, right? Which really doesn't have a heck of a lot to do with Wailuku. We're a mountain town, mm -hmm. and we're really more so focused on kind of Yao River, Yao Valley, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Center of, of commerce and, and center of really this spiritual epicenter, right, of, of the state of the Hawaiian kingdom, right? Mm -hmm. So there is, there is a process of, of kind of educating or exchanging or orientating these artists into the sense of place, mm -hmm. right? So this, mm -hmm. we're not all about hula and rainbows and whales and beaches, right? right. Here's what Wailuku's about. And so I wonder, a, in the theater world, if that's something that you've encountered, um, some kind of pushback to artists that might not be of this place, and then B, what else can we be doing to put our community members at ease? And it's not been a lot. It's been a few, uh -huh. right? A few people that uh -huh. are, are deeply concerned about the idea of bringing outsiders in to share an inside perspective. Um, I, I find it so fascinating. So I'm curious. Yeah, I think it's I think it's super important to keep the connections with the bigger the, world, the bigger world. You know, yeah. uh, I feel really isolated here sometimes, just as a, as, as a theater artist, especially because theater is is not sort of indigenous to to the culture. Mm -hmm. You know, um, so yeah, I I love the opportunities to bring people in. I. I guess in my experience, what I sort of recognize, I think, and see is that when, when the artists come in, they're shifted by their contact with all of the people here and with the community here. If they're good. If they're good, yeah. yeah. And I think what is so great about that, then you get to see new ways of looking at 
you know, their perspective and our perspective, and we create a new perspective mm -hmm. together. I'll share a story. When I first became artistic director, we were over at KCC. Um, we just, the county gave us a space over there to keep the programs alive while we were waiting for the Arts and Cultural Center. And um, funky little butler building, you know, we made it into a theater. We had a, you know, a space about a quarter of this size that was our dance studio behind the stage. And uh, we were doing a, our dance recital, our big, you know, big year end sharing of the dance program. And, um, there were only entrances from the back onto the stage, and then if you came through the front, the side doors at the where the audience was, you could come down and get to the theater from to the stage from the front. But there were windows on both sides where the stage was, so I'm watching this dance thing, and I'm thinking, God, this is amazing. These kids are amazing, and look at where we are in this funky little place, and and then there. I look up and there, the dancers are crawling through the windows, entering in their rhythms and routines to, to get on stage. And I thought, you do the arts anywhere, <laughs> you yeah. know, you make it happen with what you have. But what was beautiful in this recital was one of the dance teachers choreographed a piece and it was the, ba the upper age level advanced ballet girls. and. Her concept was, I'm going to work with the halal, and I'm going to do a piece where ballet and, and hula are happening, you know, in the same piece. So the first section was the ballet, the pure ballet, you know, really, really costumes and all. Um, then the halal came on, the hula happened, and then she took the step and she put them together and blended mm. them. So there was hula and ballet happening to the same music all simultaneously. And I was just in, practically in tears watching it. And I thought, this is what the arts are about in Hawaii. And this is what we need to be doing. We need to be bringing this connection, this cross-fertilization of two disparate art forms. You think, oh, they can never be on stage together. They're totally different, culturally different. You know, there's no, there's no overlap. There's no way into each of those. But right. there is, and so there was, you know? And that's the image, I've held that image for years now, for 30 years, and it's like that, that is what we have to be doing here. And that's for me is sort of a, a statement about the arts, that we have, they have that capability of doing, crossing cultures, connecting with people, finding, finding connection, 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 mm -hmm. you know? So. That's beautiful, and you've just given me a really lovely vision in my brain that I'm going to hang on to of ballet and hula intertwining. Yeah. I love it. I begged her to bring that piece back. Okay. I want you to redo this. I love <laughs> it. Please. Um, you talked before about, and I was actually in your office once, when you created visuals of your ultimate dream for Wailuku that quote unquote, will never be realized. Mm -hmm. But I want to hear about your dream for Wailuku. I want to know what, in your perspective, who has 
been here for as many years as you have as a leader in the arts community. You also said before you're proud to be a part of a community that values the arts, but you're a leader in that community that values the arts. But yeah, I want to hear about your vision for Wailuku in terms of how the arts play a role. I just, I just see it as, I, I talked already about that everyday experience of the arts, that people see the arts happening, you know? Um, I, I just have visions of, of you know, as we, do, as we refurbish and renovate our buildings here, that, um, you know, outside in front of Giannato's and, and the rum bar, I call it, um, you know, we've got that, that patio area mm -hmm. there. And I want to see that filled with people of all ages, of all generations, sitting at the tables and talking and laughing and, and waiting for classes or waiting to go see a show or whatever, you know, that, that we build community through the arts, you know. We aren't going to, with what we're doing, we aren't about our goal is not to you know, produce, you know, the next movie star or the next, you know, Broadway show or anything like that. If that happens because of the work we're doing, yippee, you know, yeah, yeah that's great. Uh, but I, my philosophy is, is the philosophy of Alonzo King, who's he's the artistic director of the Lions Ballet in San Francisco. And I wish I would have said this, that he, he beat me to it, but he says, our, our goal is not is is to create masterpieces of humanity in their program, and that's what our goal is. I totally adopt uh, his his belief and his statement there. So what we're going to do, and my philosophy is that we change the world through the arts, one person at a time. You know, that's how we do it. If yeah. we can help that little boy, you know realize that that he's he's the little bear that he saw in that show and that gave him the courage to go on with his life or gave him the hope to go on with it that it wasn't the end of his relationship with his grandfather but the beginning of a new mm -hmm. one you know those are the those are our purpose here i just want to see this town i want to see kids sitting there you know before classes and playing ukulele together or writing a song together or, or sharing a poem they've written together or you know or let's practice our dance for a class you know out here on the street i just want to see all of that act activity happening yeah. and i want that energy you know to spill over into into the evenings where people are coming to see a show and yeah. they're excited to be here and they're you know that yeah, it's like, you know, for me, it's like going to the theater or, or going to a, an arts event, you know, a performance of some kind. It's like, it's like getting, as a kid, being, getting to go to the ice cream store every night, you know? Yeah. It's like, this is my dessert. This is the sweetness of life that I want to taste of. Yeah. So, you know. And clearly you've been a part of either the brainstorming or design sessions for this Wailuku Civic Complex or parking structure, what it's mm -hmm. going to be, because as you're speaking, I've said in many of those meetings, I'm seeing the idea for a promenade and I'm seeing the idea of seating areas and I'm hearing specifically through someone else's voice saying, you know, there's intergenerational folks sitting, playing the ukulele, sharing stories, right? And I'm thinking, hmm, David had a really important part of this process. <laughs> so you must have sat down with the county and other moments and, and shared this vision. A, with a little bit, yeah, yeah, yeah. One of my favorite experiences was one you 
facilitated. Were you? Uh, we had the gatherings of the artists yes. in the community. Yeah. I I just I had. It's 15 or 16, 2015 or 2016. Yeah. 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 And the goal, my goal that day, um, was to, yeah, talk to all the movers and shakers, right, in the arts community. And we also had a couple, uh, I know Say Design was there, mm -hmm. and you were there, and oh, there was a young tattoo artist who's so good. He used to own a tattoo shop right down, Bose Kapoi was there. And my goal was, let's create something great together, right? right? How do we harness all of the creative energy in this room and create, either it's a festival, or it's you know a joint calendar, or whatever the case may be, and I remember walking away thinking, oh man, so many of these folks are nonprofit and they are so razor focused on what they need to do to stay afloat. Exactly. So, you know, we had to change course, right? Yeah. And that's yeah. when we started thinking about applying for the Our Town grant um, and creating opportunities, kind of like a, a mini grant program. But like I said, it's not handing anyone a, a chunk of change and saying, go for it. It's saying, okay, now we challenge you to listen to community mm -hmm. consultations mm -hmm. and create something that's very representative of this space. But the hope is to go back to that initial idea that spurred that workshop, Good. right? We wanna make sure, okay, now we've provided some really exemplary um, ideas, uh -huh. right? So we had the Alala -la Renaissance at the promenade here, or we had Jackie's uh, Makaida Malka installation at Wells Park, or we've had many mural projects, um, also on this building, the, the history of the performing arts that Eric Oakday painted, right? Mm -hmm. Which gives, pays homage to the King Theater and Eau Theater and Les Mis and Auntie Emma Sharp and Willie Kay. And it's just so overwhelmingly gorgeous and That's detailed. beautiful. I was just walking down the street yesterday and I stopped and I went, oh my God, that thing is so beautiful. It's so beautiful. Yeah, just, he's just a master. Yeah. So we have these visual cues we've got an app we've got this booklet that i'm handing out to you now right we're trying to create all of this um all of these 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 assets of inspiration to try to bring us back to that place okay let's try again mm -hmm. what is it that we can all create together mm -hmm. right how can we work together to ensure that this vision is being realized that David started with and the you know the county kind of picked up and the design of this new structure that's going in and this program that the county's been um, generous enough to bring me into um, yeah what is the future of public art for Wailuku and, and how can we make how can we feel make others feel in, included in that process mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and that is our big question that, that is the big question but you know what as you're talking about it and I'm thinking all the things you're talking about, we're doing it. We are doing that already, you know? We're getting there. Yeah, yeah. And I made the decision, uh, you know, a while back. Um, I, there, you know, there was a time when Linda Legal was so supportive of us and all of that, and, and, and then I thought, okay, that's, that is so great, and you know, you know, the next mayor that comes in, the next council that comes, they're gonna see where this is going, you know, and they're gonna get behind it. And I waited and waited and it's like, well, no one quite picked up the ball, you know? And I was like, okay, I was waiting for for them to do it. And mm -hmm. I, and then we, I just started talking with staff and board and stuff and going, look, we're gonna, we gotta do it. I don't, I don't wanna wait anymore. I wanna get, I want to do this. Yes. And maybe if we start showing them in little ways what it does, 
every, it'll catch on more and people will go, okay, this is worth supporting. Right. You know? Bingo. Bingo. Right. Yeah. And we'll reach that tipping point, right? Yes. Where everybody gets it, you know? Yes. And that's, I have, I've also worked in government for a stint. And my, my biggest takeaway from working on the other side is that government represents the people, right? Yeah. So the people have to be very clear, right, and 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 form a consensus with what they want so that right. the government can better represent that, right, right? not right. the other way around. Right. I think that's a super important lesson. It took me a while to get that, you know? Yeah. yeah. And there is that, oh, the government's supposed to do everything, right. and it's not. Yeah. Who was it? Was it? Which mayor was it? I think it might have been Alan Arakawa talked about that, you know? The con I remember being in a meeting where it was said that, okay, with a lot of business people from the, com from the Wailuku community and stuff and the redevelopment issue and the parking structure issue, everything was all on the table. And, and it, the comment was that, look, the government's not going to do everything here. We've, we've gone this far. Now we need to see some movement from you guys, yeah. from the other side. Yeah. So that we know you want this and that you've got skin in this game, basically. And I, I took that to heart and went, okay, here we are, this teeny nonprofit. We found a way to buy three buildings in the heart of Wailuku. We have, you know, a huge amount of property here that we own. And we're working to develop it ourselves, you yeah. know, and find ways to make that happen. And I'm yeah. thinking, like, look. If we can do this, you know, we aren't business people, we aren't entrepreneurs, we're artists, and we're trying to do this. And now we've got this huge chunk here yeah. that, and we are going to devote that to the development of this arts district, yes. you know? Yes. I don't feel like MAPA is doing this alone at all, but if it helps for us to be leading it by doing these things, I'm in, I'm all in, you know? Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. And so with the USDA grant that you're working on, and I can remove this if you're not comfortable talking about it, my understanding is that you, one of your visions is to create kind of like a, a work-slash-live situation for artists. We've, we've talked about that. Yeah. Because we've, we've got a good piece of property here. Yeah. And one of the things we run into, um, we've got some fab, I mean, this, the Maui is so blessed with just so many talented people in, in all the art forms, you know? Um, and one of the things for us is we want to bring in people sometimes to guest directors, you know, mm -hmm. guest, guest designers, guest actors, that kind of stuff. And it's always a, a, just a scramble to try and find housing yes. for them, you know, to do the, you yes. know? Um, so we thought, look, you know, why don't look, we got all this property, what if we put some housing in, what would that look like? Or, and, just to support some of the artists who are living here, to mm -hmm. give them a low-cost housing opportunity so they don't have to sp uh, spend all of their time, you know, doing, you know, waiting tables or doing that. They can yeah. devote more of their time to creating yeah. art. That's a great way for us to be able to support yes. people, you know, yeah. and to create new arts opportunities. Um, so there's a there's a uh, a nonprofit uh, art called Art Space. Mm -hmm. It's out of Minneapolis. Yes. And they did a project over in in Honolulu, and it's a beautiful project. Yes. And it's a housing project, low cost for artists, 
and it's amazing what's what they their have work accomplished is very there. exciting yeah i've gone down that rabbit hole yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah and i had to force myself to come up for air because <laughs> that would be very exciting for wailuku yeah. yeah yeah we've had conversations with them great because we we saw it and it was serendipitous we uh, one of the people that was working in our office came from Minneapolis and knew the president of that company. They'd had business uh, interactions in mm -hmm. Minneapolis. I said, what? I said, call him, call him right now. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And he, he kind of connected us. Mm -hmm. And we went over and visited the project in Honolulu and we uh, talked to them and we said, look, here we are over here. We understand you're thinking about maybe wanting to do another project in Hawaii. And we'd love to talk to you about that. So we shared with them where we were and what we were about. It took them like 10 years to oh, realize yeah. that project. And they said, we had a long learning curve about how Hawaii works yes. in development and all of that. So that was part of it. They said the biggest part was when we came into this, there was no property. Mm. So it took us five years alone to find a piece of mm. property. And I see, we said, we Take have five years off the our property. Timeline. Yes, yeah. yeah, because you got the property. Yeah, yeah. So right before the pandemic, uh, they were going to make a site visit mm -hmm. over here, but everything with the pandemic just kind of went on hold. Yes. We were just talking about it a, a, a couple of weeks ago. About let's reach out to them again and see if there's still interest for yeah. this or not, because we have a big piece still that we're trying to figure out what we want to do with in terms of, you know, developing it for the arts programs. So. Thankfully, and I've been waiting for this, um, there have been, I've noticed a lot more writing and conversation around the, this greater support for the arts that's coming, mm -hmm. right? Uh, somewhat as a result of the pandemic, mm -hmm. right? So there has been mass recognition of the power of the arts for, for health benefits, I guess, which mm -hmm. is the, the priority during this time. So I think that could be a reality and um, please make it happen. <laughs> <laughs> I would love to, you know, I have those fantasy moments in the middle of the day where I'm all of a, I'm all of a sudden a multimillionaire. And I'm like, <laughs> right. I could do this project and this one and this one. <laughs> well, you never know, you right? Know, that's, that's our gift though as artists, you know? We can envision big things, we can dream big, you know? Mm -hmm. And, and you know, we may not realize all of those dreams, mm -hmm. But in my experience, you get pieces of them all along the way, and that's that's how you build eventually the yeah. big dream. So awesome. Well, my final question for you. Gosh, we've been talking for a little longer. I'm sorry about the time, but I do want to I, I want to hear from you what legacy you would like to leave. <laughs> I guess. I guess my legacy is, is is in it's not in the buildings. I want to leave. I want to leave the places where the arts continue to to grow and where 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 people can of all ages can come and discover themselves and continue to uncover who they are and and what what they're about and where they can create gifts to give to give to the world, you know. Um, you talked a little while back about 
the incubator kind of thing. And I think, I think that the incu that the arts are are an incubator for our humanity. And I want to leave I want to leave a place where that can be realized. I guess that's that's what I would like to see. David Johnston, chicken skin master. <laughs> Thank you for spending this time with Thanks. me. Thanks. This was delightful. This is great. I love to talk about this, and I love that there's somebody who, who gets it and who, <laughs> who's excited as I am about it. Art so. nerds. Thanks. That was so fun. Thank yeah, you. That was beautiful. One.